Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, and his final teaching in Philemon called Refresh My Heart in Christ. Tonight, as we have hope in Jesus, when we have the, the, the cross and the goodness of God and his holiness and his worth and his righteousness on the forefront of our minds, it is a lens by which we can filter out the junk in this life. Amen? And so when I look at a situation, I don't look at it the way that I used to look at it. And that's what Paul is saying to Philemon. He's saying, you don't see Onesimus the way you once saw him. No, now you see him as a brother in Christ. Take him in as one of your own. Take him in as you would take me in. I had mentioned last week that it is, it is like a prodigal son story in many ways. You know, when the prodigal son returns to his father, the father had every right to say, you're dead to me. Get out of here. You took your inheritance. You spit in my face. You, you basically, by the son taking that inheritance in the story of the prodigal son, he basically was saying to his dad, you're dead to me. I want my money and I want it now. I want what I want. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. So give me my money and I'll go. But what does that father do when the son returns? He ran. He ran to his son, which was considered undignified. Men didn't run. You know, you're driving down Ontario now, you see people running on Ontario. People didn't do that. That was like, that was what lowly people did. I don't run. Because run, running showed that you were, you know, running late or in a panic or stressed out. No, no. The Pharisees never ran. No, they always, however they walked, I don't know. I, that's how I think they walked. But the father ran to his son. And the, the prodigal son story just continues to circulate in my head as I read what Paul is asking of Philemon. And for us, we know Romans 5.8. While we were still dead in our sin, enemies to God, in opposition to him, Christ died for us. And what makes Christ's sacrifice on the cross even more profound is that Jesus didn't just shed his blood for those who loved him really well. No, he died even for those who hated him. In fact, in the crucifixion account, we see this astounding picture of Jesus asking for the Father to forgive the very people who are nailing him to a cross. Friend, if you need to know what forgiveness looks like tonight, that's what forgiveness looks like. That as the very men are nailing Jesus Christ to the cross that he does not deserve, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Another story that comes to mind is the stoning of Stephen, who the man writing this letter, when he was Saul before he became Paul, may have very well been overseeing and said, go ahead. It's very possible that at the stoning of young Stephen, on fire for the Lord, as he's stoned to death, the man who the people looked to for the go ahead, go ahead and kill him, may have very well been Saul. 
Now writing years later as Paul changed and transformed by the gospel. And he is saying, forgive, forgive, be reconciled. Just as Christ has reconciled us to himself. Now you are called to emulate that, to mirror Christ. There's an old Phil Wickham song that will always be one of my favorites. I've loved Phil Wickham since he first started doing worship. I, I remember um, when I was, I think, 12 or 13, if I had only really known who Phil Wickham was or what he would become, I would have probably asked him if I could be in his band. Um, I remember uh, it was, that, however many years ago that was, 15 years ago, he came to the church. And this was like right before Living Truth became Living Truth. And there was an event where we got our two churches together. It was Faith Bible Church and uh, Calvary Church Corona. And we got our two churches together for this event on the lawn out at the corner of Ontario and Lincoln at our old property. And Phil Wickham was there. Um, and, but Phil Wickham wasn't Phil Wickham at that point. He was just like, you know, uh, some dude with really deep V-neck and long hair. And uh, that was the style then. It was like the V-necks that almost showed the belly button. And you were like, that's just not a good look, you know. No one wants to see that. But for some reason, amongst the singers and songwriters of the early 2000s, that was the move to have a deep V-neck. Thank goodness, uh, thank the Lord Almighty that that phase uh, went away. And may it never come back in the name of Jesus. Um, and I remember, I remember Phil Wickham leading worship on the lawn that night. And I'm trying to remember why I brought up this story. Uh, songs. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. See? And so, but I remember it was around that time that, that Phil Wickham came out with a song called Sun and Moon. And uh, when I was in college, I lived in uh, York, York, England. A lot of people say, oh, you live in New York. No, not, not New York. I don't want to live in New York. I've been to New York. I'm good. Um, and I lived in York, England. And uh, York is one of the oldest cities in the world. They've worked really hard to preserve uh, history there. And the little church that I was serving at and um, helping lead worship with and stuff while I was there as a student, there was this uh, wooden chapel on the campus of the church. And there was this little chapel. And at night I'd go in there and um, I would just play my guitar and sing. And this is when I really had just started leading worship. And um, this would have been 10 years ago now. And I, uh, that was a song that I would often sing in that, that old chapel. And it was called Sun and Moon. And the, the, the words of the song simply say, if you are the sun, then I want to be the moon. I want to reflect the light that shines from you. And if, and if this is war, then I'm going to draw my sword because, God, I know what I'm fighting for. And the chorus of the song says, God, I want to let you know that I want everything that you are. And I... I just, I will always love that song and that picture of, God, if, if you are the sun, then I want to be the moon. I want to reflect the light that shines from you. And I wonder tonight, how good of a job are, are you and I doing of, of mirroring the image of Christ to those who need a savior? You know, it's been said many times that you might be the only Bible that a non-believer reads, or you might be the only glimpse uh, that a non-believer gets to who Jesus is. How well of a job are you doing? That's a lot of pressure. But it is indeed the call on our life to be a reflection of Christ. The scripture is permeated with this idea of going out and being a light in the dark, salt to the earth, a city on a hill, 
All these pictures that scripture paints that are a challenge and an exhortation to you and I to go out into a world that is desperate for hope. And so the, the, the challenge that Paul is laying before Philemon now is, brother, you need to be Christ to Onesimus. Be Christ to him. How well are we doing that tonight? Paul says in verse 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. And just for some extra confidence, I suppose, for the sake of Philemon, Paul says, Paul, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And then he says, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul says, if he has wronged you, and you know, we gather with a fair amount of confidence that Onesimus certainly did wrong Philemon in some pretty significant way. But we continue to see the gospel on display as Paul now says, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. I will pay it. And I'm reminded of the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. In Luke 10, 29, Jesus in the midst of a conversation with an expert in the law. And this is a key part in verse 29 of Luke chapter 10. But he, that is the expert in the law, wanting to justify himself, asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You can hear him pompously ask that, right? Well, who is my neighbor? You know, as if he maybe can catch the Messiah in, you know, his words. And Jesus, in a story many of us know well, I'll just read it quickly for you, says, and in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him. And went away, and leaving him half dead, a priest happened to be going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. A priest. (laughs) So too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan. And this is where the expert of the law says, No! Samaritans! Can't stand them! And Jesus says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went out and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And then he put the man on his own beast of burden, his own donkey, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And this is the part that really reminded me of this passage. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. That's love. And then Jesus turns to the expert in the law and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? I just love Jesus, man. He's so crafty. He just, ah! Can't even handle it, dude. That guy was like, who is my neighbor? And Jesus was just like, the Samaritan's your neighbor. Now deal with it. (laughs) I wish Jesus would have said it like that. Maybe he did. I don't know. He's a pretty cool guy. So, and then, and then the expert in the law couldn't even say the Samaritan, right? 
The one who showed him mercy, Lord. The, the Samaritan. And what does Jesus say? Go and do likewise. That's love. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now back to Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, on Walkin' Truth. Go and do likewise. That's love. And as Paul says, whatever he owes you, I'll repay it. I was reminded of that story. That as the Good Samaritan leaves him at the end, he has business to attend to. He says, hey, I'll be back. And anything extra above the two denarii, I'll, I'll cover it when I get back. And you have to think about the witness and the testimony that that must have been to that innkeeper that night. And, and some of you have experienced situations like this. You know, I told a, a story a couple weeks ago that on a Sunday, the, the, the Tuesday after the Sunday that we taught on do not steal, I went to Home Depot and I was in the middle of a project. I was building this big uh, 12 by 5 uh, privacy panel thing and it was like a super intricate design took way too long. And um, I had to go back several times because if you've done anything where you have to go to Home Depot, you know, you don't go to Home Depot once. You go several times. So it was like my last trip of the day. I finally had everything I needed. I just need to get this thing wrapped up. And I get in my car, got everything loaded and what's in my pocket? A couple of hooks I forgot to pay for, right? And you're like, Aah! so I got to get out of the car. I got all this lumber sticking out of the side of my forerunner. And, you know, somebody's going to steal my lumber. And then I got to go back inside. And isn't it interesting how it like surprises people when you do the right thing? And I went back inside and they're like, yeah, they're like $2.50 each. And I think I had three of them. You know, it's like not a lot of money we're talking about. Here. We're talking about $7.50. And I come back in, and I'm like, hey, I forgot to pay for these. I think it was raining, too. It might have been raining. You know, just like a, not a great situation, just all around being tested, okay? Uh, and then I remember that my trials are nothing compared to some others. So anyways, I walked back in, and the lady was, like, surprised. She was like, you came back for that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I came back for that. I thought she was going to be like, okay, well, get in the line. You know, like, oh, my gosh, like 50 people in line. But she was nice enough to just let me pay for them. But it, it took her by surprise. And may I remind you that tonight when you do the right thing in this culture, it's not normal. When you love people the way that Christ has called you to love them, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Because our culture propagates the opposite you need to be first, put yourself first, positive vibes, you got to do your whatever, and it's all about you. And the gospel is in sharp contrast to that way of thinking. It says, no, it's about others. Jesus says the greatest commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, we talk a lot about struggling to love ourselves. And I know that there are real issues with self-worth and, and um, you know, all these uh, insecurities that we deal with. And I get it. But I did hear a pastor say that, you know, 
oftentimes at the root of those issues is a hyper-focus on self. Alistair Begg said very well, if I spent a tenth of the time that I spend thinking about myself and I turned my attention to God, I would be a lot less disappointed. And so maybe for some of us who are struggling with self-worth and those types of things, turn your eyes to Jesus and the things of the world will grow strangely dim. And so... That's the type of love that we see here. That's the type of love that's displayed in the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's the type of love that Paul is asking of Philemon now. And that is the type of love that Jesus Christ poured out on each one of us at the cross at Calvary. It's a picture of what Christ has done. And now we are called to do the same. And Paul goes so far as to say, if he owes you anything, I will pay it back just as Christ has done for you and I. Romans ten fourteen, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that he has heard from us? And this is the key verse here. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you want to be more like Christ, you need to hear his word and get it into your heart. That means that these times, times in small groups, or Bible studies and home fellowships, your own time of devotion and prayer to the Lord must be a priority. I know many Christians who can tell me a lot more about football than they can about Scripture. And I have areas in my life where I've had to realize that. I know more about this TV show than I know about Scripture. Yikes. I'm a pastor, you know, I'm a pastor. I heard Vody Bauckham talking and he was like, uh, y'all trying to ordain all these kids. You know, you see somebody that's in the word and they're praying and you're like, oh, he should be a pastor. You just want him to be a pastor so that you can feel better about being complacent. <laughs> I was like, Whoo, wow. He said, he doesn't need to be a pastor. He's just being a Christian. And maybe that's what we do. We say, yeah, well, of course, Philemon, he's a leader in the church. I mean, geez, how could he not welcome Onesimus back? I'm not a leader in the church. I'm not even a deacon. I don't even, I'm not even an usher. I don't have to welcome anybody back. <laughs> no, you do. You do. There's no loopholes. You can't get out of this, friend. It's just a call on your life to love people as Christ has loved you. You've been listening to Refresh My Heart in Christ, part two on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, teaching in Philemon 1, 17 through 25. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, are you in need of prayer or guidance? Sometimes getting through the week has its challenges and we have pastors ready to hear what you have to say. Whatever you're going through, please call us. Walk in Truth has pastors on staff ready to talk to you 
Tuesdays through Fridays during normal daytime business hours. Please call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. So what if someone says to you, Pastor Shane, I'm tired of people telling me to forgive. I'm done with this person. I I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, people do get to this point uh, where forgiveness, sometimes it can be even a little bit misunderstood. Like, should I forgive everybody no matter what? Um, Should forgiveness be the result of someone asking for it? Uh, Should it require repentance, for example? Um, Well, Paul does say that uh, Onesimus has gotten his life together, but what if he hadn't? Should Philemon still forgive him? I mean, people wrestle with these kinds of things, and, and frankly, they do get tired of it, especially, let's just be real, if someone was really hurt bad by a person, and maybe that person never owned it and never asked for forgiveness— these right. are complicated matters, right? Sure. So what would be one thing that you might say to that person who's just throwing up their hands and saying, I don't want to hear it anymore? Yeah. Um, well, as another human being, I can understand. I've, uh, I've been burned by different people. I've been hurt by people. Um, but I will tell you this, that um, this principle is very true, that unforgiveness will always move you backwards and forgiveness will always move you forward. Um, now, now, this situation that you might be walking through might be with your spouse. There might be bitterness that has been welling up in you against uh, your spouse. And I will tell you that if you do not choose to forgive and forget as Christ has done for you, your marriage will not move forward. Um, and it, it might not have anything to do with a marriage relationship. It might have to do with a coworker, a, a family member, a friend. I'll tell you this, though, that the longer that you choose not to forgive, the longer you will be stuck in that that rut. And I believe that the longer you stay there, the deeper you sink. And so I I do think of the parable where Jesus is talking about the unforgiving servant. And, you know, Jesus says those famous words, you know, that you're to forgive not seven times, but 70 times seven. And I just remember that when I first read that, I thought, oh, okay, so we'll do the math, and then we hit that magic number. 491. 491, <laughs> we, can, uh, we can stop forgiving. But actually what Jesus is trying to convey is you are to continue to forgive. And the beautiful thing is that if the other person is unwilling to talk to you, maybe there's some sort of situation where you can no longer talk to that person. Well, the beauty is that actually the forgiveness that can take place in your heart doesn't really have anything to do with a direct interface with that person. And Romans twelve eighteen says, as much as it depends on you live at peace with exactly. all people. Sometimes it's it, the other person won't cooperate. So if you need to be reconciled to someone right now, how could we encourage you here? Here's what we would say. As much as it depends on you, you do what you can. You extend the olive branch. You say, Hey, I don't want things to be this way. Um, in some cases, the person may be gone out of your life and you're going to have to maybe just put it before the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm forgiving this person because I just want to honor you. I, I don't want a root of bitterness in my heart. I want to be free of this. And I, I tell you what, I think you will find the refreshing power of forgiveness. You know, one of the great expressions of love is forgiveness and love is a fruit of the spirit. So if you can't seem to get from point A to point B, ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. The main fruit of the spirit is love. 
the main expression of love is forgiveness. And I think you can get there with God's help. Any final thoughts on that, Pastor Shane? Yeah, I think it comes back to what we started with, which is the specifics of any given situation you might be walking through are kind of, well, they're, they're secondary because at the end of the day, the call on our life is to be those who are ambassadors for the kingdom. That is, we represent our king well. And one way that one key way that we do that is being a people who are quick to forgive. Shane, I can think of some major um, scenes in the last decade or so where people forgave someone who uh, shot a family member, did some some deed that you know cost them dearly, right? And they expressed the love of Christ and even a picture of the gospel in kind of like a shocking forgiveness. And um, I think that's the beauty of what it means to be God's people, even though sometimes it could be very difficult. And I think you will stand out when you're quick to forgive yes. because you can see it in our culture when someone is quick to forgive. And, and I mean truly forgive. Like, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to uh, think about it anymore and let bitterness well up in my heart. No, I'm going to really lay it before the Lord and, and forgive you. It catches people by surprise because I think it's so uncommon. And it can build a bridge to the gospel. Someone might yeah. say, why are you this way? And you say, well, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us do our free apologetic events, too please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $20 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 17 through 25, called Refresh My Heart in Christ. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a fantastic weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.